0: I'm your host, David Nage. This is Base Layer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views,
1: information, or opinions expressed during the Base Layer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Arca, where David Nage is a principal. Arca is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to
0: educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. Today's show is sponsored by Coinbase Prime, a leading prime brokerage for digital assets. While Coinbase is widely known for its retail business, Coinbase also provides the bridge to the digital asset world for institutional investors, high net worth individuals, financial institutions, and corporate investors. Through their professional trading platform, deep and diversified liquidity, execution expertise, and Coinbase Custody, one of the largest most trusted digital asset custodians, Coinbase Prime is a solution for institutions looking to enter the digital asset markets. For more information, visit prime.coinbase.com. This is David, and this is your new episode of BaseLayer. And my goodness, people, I am so excited. Over about seven or eight months, I've been trying to get these guys on because I truly think that they are doing something in the world of DeFi that is going to be massive. This is my opinion, of course. Nothing on here is investment advice. But I'm really happy that I have Ryan Birkin, the co-founder and CEO at Teller Finance with me today. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing great.
1: Thank you, David, for having me. Super excited to share the work we've been doing on the podcast. Excellent.
0: So what we'd like to do, Ryan, uh, before we get into what Teller Finance is, we'd like to find out a little bit about our founder, our guest, before they launched their project, their company. So tell us a little bit about yourself prior to Teller. What got you inspired into this world of digital assets and specifically DeFi?
1: I I think my inspiration for DeFi actually came before I knew anything about crypto and and Bitcoin. Um, I had been a self-taught a software engineer. I was very interested in utilizing AI and applying it to the different financial markets, both that in the States and that in other countries that aren't as fortunate. And I was really looking at ways that we could start democratizing access to credit, um, ways that third world countries that don't have the infrastructure that America has or or other first world countries have, and bring that to those citizens. And it was really hard um, the infrastructure was segmented. It was scattered. It was hard to find a unified layer to make, you know, a, a seamless kind of financial system happen. This was about four years ago. Um, and that's really when I started diving into Bitcoin. Um, so back in 2016, got really interested in the idea that digital assets all of a sudden <laughs> allow you the ability to program finance. Um, just the simplicity of Bitcoin as a, a ledger, a database that you can send money to and from, and you own that anywhere around the world, um, to the fact that now with Ethereum, you have the idea that any smart contract or just wallet can act at, on, on behalf of money as if it was a bank or an exchange or a broker today in the traditional financial ecosystem. And while DeFi was expanding, uh, I, I really looked at ways that I could you kind know, of bring what I was trying to do in the past with data and analysis and trying to open up new access to capital for people around the world that don't have access to the American markets um, with what was happening in a DeFi. Back in 2018, even early 2019, platforms in DeFi really had only a couple million, like there was maybe 10 million in TVL and DeFi. And I always thought that in order to bring the end consumer into DeFi, we needed to find ways that would offer them value without them needing to be onboarded into the system. Right. Essentially, we give them a loan, they have money, and they can go do what they want with the money. They're onboarded once they repay the loan. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, DeFi started as over-collateralized with MakerDAO, the ability to issue debt with your collateral, Compound and Aave come along with right. incredible advances, of using any type of collateral for over collateralized money markets. And at the end of 2019, I ended up putting out a kind of test prototype idea called zero collateral. The concept that on chain, you could actually earn rewards from some of your repaid loans that would bring the collateral you need to pay down to zero. And this really was the initial inspiration that kind of evolved into Teller as we started going through the idea of connecting real world data Bank accounts, credits, anything that could create a risk assessment analysis. Right. So, without me going too deep into it, that's the general story of, you know, I've kind of always been doing the same thing, just stumbled into the crypto sphere to make it happen.
0: So, would you say it's fair to say that teller finance is almost a way of using? decentralized finance of using the things that are happening within digital assets to create some sort of a consumer credit risk report, almost similar to what we would see almost in a FICO score?
1: Yeah, I I think you could assimilate it to almost a FICO score. The interesting thing that's different is we want to see data as kind of global. So Teller Ask acts as this credit risk layer, where we pair both open source risk analysis data input that could be provided either from on-chain information or off-chain information like actually a FICO score um, or a U.S. bank account with your actions that you take on-chain. So we pair it with the actual money market itself. Essentially we're bridging the world of physical of assets, digital assets that are happening on-chain and the ability to move those assets around with this risk assessment layer. It acts like a money market just like Compound and Abe Mm-hmm. Borrowers or lenders just earn interest on their idle capital, whereas borrowers can connect this real world information from these data sources and get access to under collateralized or unsecured loans in DeFi. Mm-hmm. Now, through the value capture, which is the ability to get access to money, users are in part connecting real world information, which starts building this idea of kind of a unified world of credit mm-hmm. in DeFi.
0: Now is that done vis-a-vis some sort of connectivity to Oracles? Is there something there that is feeding the? Is that effectively a smart contract that's being fed by Oracles?
1: Yes. So we try to keep as much data off chain as possible and as private as possible. Users are very open to actually sharing, you know, their information if it gets them access to better loans. However, the kind of utmost priority is making sure that that data is not seen by public community. Mm-hmm. So. The actual calculation of risk assessment and loan terms happens off chain. Right now it's through a validator ecosystem. We are looking at plans to make that even more private um, through different types of partnerships that we're working on. Something I can get do later. Right. Um, but the data is simply used in risk assessment and your loan terms themselves are the only thing written on
0: chain through an oracle. Is that the credit risk algorithms that you're referring to? Exactly. Okay. Interesting. So going down the the path here so there's a few different pieces to this um there is something called the ATM and no that's not what you go to to go you know take out $50 at a uh at a deli that is your autonomous teller machine what is that
1: So it, it is analogous to you know going to <laughs> get $50 at a deli um, it is the concept that we can have autonomous money markets that run on risk assessment and data, and the output is actual money, funds, whether that be through credit or through actual underlying digital assets. So the ATM is our primitive. This is Teller's primitive that we can combine a money market with an algorithm to assess risk and the data needed to, to run that risk assessment on. All of this can be made for something in DeFi. Maybe it's a market that we're launching, which is our V1 that is oriented for those in DeFi who want to earn alpha or earn yield. The ability to combine bank account information with a simplistic open source risk algorithm that can calculate loan terms and the borrower can then take out an unsecured loan to go use in DeFi today. That's what we have available as Teller's V1. But in the future, we actually see the ATM as a primitive for many other entrepreneurs in the space to start building new types of risk assessed markets in different categories of finance.
0: Right. So let's just get a little bit deeper into there. So a few things going back to the data or to the items that come in there in terms of the CRA and to the algorithm, what does this take two examples? One, you have a person out there who is 40 years old, they have two kids, they have a mortgage, they have car loan, um, they have some participation in the world of DeFi, possibly maybe they have participated with Uniswap, maybe they have a little bit of activity on some of the other different protocols, um, and then you have someone who is 23, who just got out of university, out of college, they don't have any financial exposures whatsoever, really. Um, and maybe they just have a little bit of Bitcoin. What type of data would you be extrapolating, you know, hypothetically from both of those types of examples?
1: So we like to think of data as parameters, just like inputs to a function, almost like it's a smart contract function. And we try to figure out what thematically are the most impactful pieces of information what I love about this question is the use cases you brought up. These are two very different types of individuals with use case that might be similar. They may want the same thing out of DeFi or a teller loan, um, but their pres- the presentation of that data is very different. So we are putting together the first risk assessment algorithm um, that looks pretty similar to the traditional world where we aren't taking into effect the actual kind of demographic characteristics. We're simply looking at monetary inputs. So a lot of the variables you brought up, the mortgage, the debt, the income, um, lowest balance, net, and then we can start creating different types of parameters surrounding this data. So we can create a loan to balance parameter, the loan to income, net income, cash flow analysis, dependence, anything that could be provided. The way that we look at risk is the opposite of how some risk assessment happens in the traditional world. Where in the traditional world, you can be seen as having no risk. The more data we know about you, the more points of risk we add on to to you. And that increases the APR that you're charged. For us, because we're coming from the DeFi world, um, we assume you are the most risky person ever. We don't trust you. And the more you can prove about yourself that is good, that is beneficial, that will lower the APR that you're charged, or whatever other premise that gets uh, any other output that comes from the risk assessment. But oh. to keep it simple, APR. So if you can prove that yes, you, you are taking care of two dependents, that that could help. If the algorithm does in fact take into that those parameters, mm-hmm. you can prove you've had ten thousand dollars in your bank account over this amount of time. That could help versus you not having any or being in kind of a current ebb and flow of cash flow deficit mm-hmm. positive.
0: Let's dig into that. Let's dig into that. So we're all big into privacy, obviously. You know, everyone in the digital asset world, you know, has some sort of affinity for privacy. And so I'm coming to you. I'm, you know, one of those two examples. Let's say the elder example. And no, that's not me people. Don't don't extrapolate anything from this. But let's say I'm the elder example here. And I've already gotten, you know, some exposures out there. Obviously, there are things that I've done financially over the last 20 some odd years et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm, you know, financially, uh, obviously, I'm employed. I have, obviously, you know, liabilities out there uh, from, you know, an income statement balance sheet type of perspective. I come to you because I want to use this. What type of privacy, you alluded to, obviously, the data that, I'm, you know, you know, a user would provide is not going to be, obviously, on-chain. Is there some usage of things like zero-knowledge, or use of things, you know, like optimism that can take away from a lot of the stuff that happens on Ethereum. Are there methodologies that you can quickly talk about that remove, you know, obviously personal data that needs to go into this for the evaluation processes to ensure that obviously nothing gets out there?
1: Absolutely. So what I can talk about is our partnership that we're working on with Minna protocol. Um, they actually just released their mainnet announcement today. So super exciting, they're helping us privatize off-chain data. So with Minna, you can get data from any website and they will certify that that data itself is valid. They can prove that it's valid. And as a user, you can do that from your browser. So I log into a credit site, maybe it's Credit Karma, and I have the data on Credit Karma and the URL. If I'd like to, I can extrapolate that data by creating a snap proof on them in a blockchain. And then you can actually run a risk assessment directly on that data without ever disclosing it.
0: Oh, wow. You plaided yourself. <laughs> it, it's like plaid. Wow, I didn't know that. In, in, in a bit.
1: Uh, <laughs> coming. Not fully plaid yet, but
0: okay.
1: um, that will allow us to fully privatize data in a way that it... Similar to Plaid, everything is happening in the browser. The risk assessment happens in the browser. The only thing that ever gets known on chain is your loan terms. And maybe people can try to reverse engineer, but the more data points that are factored into your risk assessment, the harder that is to reverse engineer those data points.
0: Wow. Well, everyone, you just learned something that I didn't even know about. That's really cool. And that's a very, very interesting part of this. Let's talk about what kind of loans you can get through Teller. Um, so if there's unsecured and secured loans, talk to us about the differences there.
1: So we wanted to have at least the basic components for anyone who wants to access loans in DeFi. The V1 of Teller is very, very conservative because we want to prove out with V1 that this concept of bridging the off-chain world, the on-chain world for risk assessment can work in DeFi. Because of that, we focused on utilizing the funds that are borrowed specifically for DeFi applications. The entire goal of Teller V1 is capital efficiency. So it's the ability to move more money and get access to more money in DeFi, but that money may not leave DeFi. It may just stay within it, within the ecosystem. There's three different types of use cases we see with these loans. First, we can start off with the fully unsecured loans. So these loans absolutely have an escrow contract that is spun up for them. And when funds are borrowed, so no collateral is deposited, you simply either connect your bank account. Um, right now, we currently support all major bank accounts in the US to be connected. Through Plaid, we'll be able to expand to about seven different countries. We pull it up the global coverage that they offer for us. And this will allow us to begin kind of our expansion into Canada, UK, France, Spain, Ireland, and Netherlands. Um, Past that, we do wanna look at other data providers that can be connected so that more people can get access to global coverage of these unsecured loans with no collateral. The other way you can access an unsecured loan because we wanted a way that people who wanted to remain truly anonymous could do this is through an NFT that we're releasing. So we'll be releasing a NFT dubbed the Fortune Teller NFT that acts as an on-chain way to start accessing this credit for an unsecured loan. Once you take out the unsecured loan, we have specific whitelisted applications that you can use it in. So to date, we've Compound, Aave, Yearn, Pool Together, and there's other applications in that we'll be adding to the protocol for the use of these funds. Really the goal of unsecured loans is individuals borrowing for capital efficiency I can go deposit and optimize yield, essentially utilize capital I didn't have with my credit, proving I am a trustworthy like person to go use in DeFi applications. That's fully unsecured. The second world is secured, and there's two different functionality types. One is anywhere from our minimum collateral unsecured, which is 20%, all the way up to 135% collateral. That Those funds continue to go into an escrow contract. However, the funds that are in escrow actually act as part of the collateral itself. So you can use those funds to go leverage long on Uniswap. You can create derivatives on them with something like synthetics or Maker. Uh, and a lot of the other fun things in DeFi that you do need collateral for, you can do with those types of loans. Mm-hmm. And you can get up to five times leverage because you can put as little as 20% down as collateral. Um, But those funds are also held in this escrow contract that can be liquidated. The third type of full use case is no escrow contract with any loans that are above 135% collateral. So those funds, they're they're receiving your MetaMask just like Compound or Aave. Users can do what they want with them. And those are kind of the three different types of cases that we'll see with Heller.
0: Let's take it a step further. So obviously we're talking about everything that you're building there and the functionality there. But let's take it a step further. So there are a billion people on the planet that don't have an identifier. They don't have, you know, what we would define here in the United States as a social security number. They don't have any kind of taxable ID. And in addition to that, they also are effectively removed from the financial markets. They can't really participate for many different reasons, for those reasons, you know, laid out there. What you're talking about in terms of the ability to effectively create consumer risk or credit risk, do you think in a time and a place in the future that Teller will be able to provide a person that has been disenfranchised or not necessarily allowed to participate in markets, sophisticated markets like we have here in the US or the UK, etc., that they will be able to have some sort of a score that says that they are worthy of certain credit and not?
1: So from our perspective, the initial onset is a focus on risk assessment, that there isn't one unified score yet in DeFi. And we think that's going to take some time because, as you said, these people have been disenfranchised, so they don't have a history yet to port into DeFi. But what they can do is start adding different types of information. While that information might not create a unified global score for them, it's immediately applicable to access the capital, so for use and risk assessment. While they may not have an actual bank account or social security number or even access to anything that we take for granted in the the first world, um, they can start porting in information like Facebook data, maybe GitHub information, something like Upwork. Places that currently are very data-rich, but aren't used too often in traditional risk assessment because our TradFi models are outdated <laughs> today. Yeah. Um, so for these people, one, there's different types of data they can port in. The second thing we're doing that can create access to this more score-like concept um, is through use of this the NFT that we'll be releasing. Mm-hmm. This is the idea that those who really don't have any data they can showcase can start to participate. They can get access to credit in DeFi. And the way we view credit, it's almost like it's a point system that gets repaid at some future date with the real underlying money. And that's what is happening with these unsecured loans. Um, You're getting access to the underlying capital. However, the point system comes into play with the interest. You're promising to repay interest. We don't know if you have that. That really is a promise that eventually gets back to the, the initial kind of consumer. Or, or the merchant in this case, which is just the protocol for Teller. So the NFT is really our first way of experimenting with how we can give access to these billions of people who are removed from financial markets, uh, the idea of credit and the ability to start accessing credit for an, a specific use case. If there becomes something as kind of a symbolistic score in the future, that's something that we feel would be an amalgamation of your actions on chain with your real world data that's coming from the traditional
0: world. Right. I think that just has a huge, massive, positive implication. And that's why I've been so excited about this since I first learned about it, you know, months ago. Um, Let's talk, as we have about another minute or two left, let's talk about roadmap. Let's talk about milestones. What are we going to be looking out from you guys over the next six to 12 months?
1: Absolutely. Well, first we're kicking off our alpha version. Um, with the sale of the NFT itself, that's starting this weekend on Saturday, the 27th, and that'll run for about five days. After that sale is finished, we'll be then rolling into the alpha version of Teller's mainnet that's supposed to be starting April 5th. And that should last about a month. After a month uh, to make sure everything has been tested, we have completion of our current audits. We'll be then rolling into beta and in what we will call the, the true mainnet of Teller, where it's uncapped and accessible to anyone. For the alpha version, you'll need the actual NFT to participate, um, but it's our way of having a guarded launch where users are incentivized and continue to get activity um, and engagement. Over the next six months, we'll be evolving from the V1 being fully released to adding new adapts that are whitelisted to the protocol, and also to be working in the back end. Um, kind of on on the more data intensive side, the privatization with our partnership with Minna, different access to data providers from not only the US expanding that globally and places that we can start creating this network and this union of different partners in the credit and traditional financial industry and, and really merging that data into DeFi. So we have immediate value for those who could start using the protocol now and over the course of the next six months, it's only gonna evolve for global coverage
0: and just out of curiosity as today we saw Uniswap release V3 and we've seen obviously them and Compound and others move to more decentralized governance i wanted just to quickly hit on that it obviously in reading you know material from you guys the the vision obviously there is more of a focus on the core team now to make sure that all the the cogs are working in the right direction but then moving to decentralization and governance there how is that going to look? Is it going to look similar potentially? And I know this is early, but is it going to look similar to like a Uniswap or a Compound? What are you guys thinking?
1: That's the plan. The plan is that it looks very similar to what Compound and Uniswap have done. We've been very interested in what Nose is safe and Snapshot just worked on. So it's the ability to have gasless transactions actually initiate an admin call on the mm-hmm. contract. Um, so we will initially be releasing governance for users to actually tweak the settings of the protocol itself. They can tweak what the risk premium is. They can tweak the actual float that's needed in the protocol. Things that users and token holders or just depositors or lenders could start interacting with for some type of governance. And then over time, we want to have the protocol functioning where all the cogs, as you said, are working seamlessly, that everything is given over to the community and that it is fully decentralized and, and governance owned.
0: Got it. Lastly, where can people find out more about Teller Finance and how can they get in touch with you guys if they're interested in somehow participating using it?
1: Yes, please please follow us on Twitter. That's where we're most active, at Use Teller. And also head to our, our website at teller.finance. Um, you'll be able to see both the NFT sale, which, is, as I said, is going live on Saturday, so coming up pretty soon. And you'll be also able to start playing around with our app You can do so today on RinkBee. You can even test connecting a bank account on RinkBee, accessing an unsecured loan. And then you'll be able to also coming up um, first week of April, actually start using Mainnet with the NFT.
0: Awesome. This was Ryan Birkin, the co-founder and CEO at Teller Finance. As I said in the beginning, a company, a project that I have been incredibly interested in for many, many months. And I think, you know, just on the surface, as I alluded to towards the end, what they are building has much more of an implication than just now. I think it has an implication for the future of DeFi and the future of this asset class and that they could be a complete, really important part of the infrastructure that's you know around us today. So Ryan, thank you for coming on. Hopefully we can have you on again, maybe towards the end of the year, beginning of next. We'll catch up and see how things are going.
1: Sounds great. Thank you so much, David. Appreciate you having me on today.
0: Thanks for listening in to Basslayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage, and let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets. This podcast is presented by Blockworks Group, one of the best digital asset event and media production companies that I know of. For exclusive content and events that provide insight into digital assets, visit them at blockworksgroup.io. You won't be disappointed.